0: Thank uh. you. Welcome to The Big Interview. The Big Interview from the Customer Experience Foundation is our weekly podcast where we talk to the people at the sharp end of CX and contact centres, the movers and the shakers, the innovators, the disruptors, the people delivering in the real world who share their personal stories of their journey through our industry. This week I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Weald who has the intriguing moniker on LinkedIn as the contact centre innovator. He is a customer management specialist, having worked in the contact centre industry for thirty years, including twenty years in consultancy, including with Ernst and Young, Deloitte, and his leading and leading his own practice. He can provide a perspective on our industry as a consultant, as a technology implementer, implementer, and most recently as an investor. I first met Paul through our experience as awards judges, and I'm keen to learn more about what it takes to become a CX industry version of a dragon. Welcome to our den, Paul. It's a pleasure to have you with us today.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Keith. Uh, yeah, it's uh, great to, to, to be here.
0: Uh, so, tell us what, what being a what being um, a, a contact center innovator is all about, Paul. I'm intrigued
1: well yes uh yeah so I, I wear several hats uh keith uh yeah as you said in your intro um kind of consultancy has been a, a thread uh throughout my uh, sort of career um and i've i've seen a number of 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 changes uh in terms of um operating models and customer behaviors and i've always been on the lookout for for, for things that are new and new and different um and then that's morphed uh more recently, into actually getting involved in early stage businesses, um, so I've built a, a portfolio now. A couple of businesses in in uh, in kind of customer customer management, customer experience. A couple in e- e- e-commerce, um, and they they all have a thread of um, being sort of technology businesses, but actually providing something different uh, for uh, for um, you know uh, 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 early adopters to 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 you know to, you know, to actually use.
0: Fantastic, so tell us about your background. How did you actually get into contact centers?
1: Um, well, I guess it goes all the way back to the early nineties um, which was when um the the kind of use of a telephone suddenly became more important, so you know previously as consumers, we used to go to the high street if we wanted to buy insurance or you know sort of Go and see our bank, whereas um, the telephone and the call centres suddenly gave people an ability to to sort of call up, um, and I just happened to be, you know, in the right place at the right time in in a sort of technology uh, business that was providing, you know, ACDS and or the things that we we now take for granted. Uh, that was that was when they were they 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 were first born um, into our sort of industry.
0: Okay, and uh, how how did your career develop?
1: Um, so, um, as I said earlier, I, I've kind of overseen a number of of sort of changes. Um, so, uh, the, the kind of call center morphed into becoming a, a kind of contact center when the internet and, and email and so forth, you know, came about, or, you know, around right about sort of twenty years ago, and then we all started getting smartphones, and that then opened up the world of of kind of messaging. Um, and here we are now in the sort of 2020s, and, and it's all about AI and, and, you know, different ways of being able to either support agents or to, you know, create new methods of, 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 of sort of, uh, you know, sort of, communi- sort of communicating. Um, and been in the industry, you know, the, the whole of that time, and therefore have um, been able to see and, and help clients to, you know, apply some of those changes to for their sort of benefit.
0: Right. Okay. I'm particularly keen to understand about uh, what you're doing most recently in the, in the last uh, year or two with the, uh, the with the investment side of things as an as an innovator and as a as an in, as an investor. That's uh, quite an interesting change of uh, career tack that not a lot of people have uh, done from our background. So, what what's the motivation there? How have you gone about that? And um, how, how's that come about? What, what what can our listeners learn from that?
1: Um, well, I, I suppose if we think back to sort of eighteen months ago and and when lockdown happened, um, you know, I, I had been very used to doing traditional consultancy projects. I would be living, you know, two three days a week, you know, wherever wherever in the UK or Europe the the, the kind of client projects were, and suddenly that all changed overnight, didn't it? We we, we suddenly started working from home and and, and so forth. Um, and so i uh, I had uh, a number of businesses that uh, I was invested in and and wanted to to help um and suddenly kind of went through a transition started a realization that that there were, there were new ways that I could be much more hands on um so for example one of the the businesses I'm involved with is um uh, limitless and the gig cx um, which is, you know, very, was very new at the, at the time in terms of the concept of customers helping customers. And therefore, it wasn't always the case that um, the only way to deal with an inquiry was, you know, a sort of contact center agent. You could exploit digital messaging, et cetera. Um, and at, at the time of uh, lockdown and, and so forth, that kind of coincided with um, businesses being much more open about trying new things. Um, so I got involved with the likes of uh, eBay and Sage and, and others in terms of actually, you know, they were prospects of Limitless, but they wanted consultancy help to, to kind of make those, those first projects happen. Uh, so I got the opportunity to actually help the clients of, uh, of you know, that, that sort of particular business, which was a, you know, a very privileged position to sort of be in, you know, right at the, the kind of sharp end of hel- helping enterprises to, you know, to sort of innovate.
0: Fantastic, and um, talk to us about the Fitbit for the call centre that I've heard a little bit about.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that that business is uh, called MyPerform. Um, so, so the 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 thread here, Keith, is you know I've always been a great believer in how do contact centres achieve excellence, um, and and too many times I've consulted. We're, we're, I'm afraid clients, they just don't have the basics. Um, so the yeah, the, the idea of a sort of Fitbit for, for contact centres is the the idea of uh, actually if you give frontline staff and team leaders information that they can consume about how they are doing day to day. So not not just the performance information, but you know all the support information. So their coaching information, their quality uh, assessments. If you provide all of that information in a way that individuals can consume, then actually that means that they're much more self-aware of you know what they need to do to sort of improve. Um, and so that's uh, uh, my perform is a uh, it's, it's it's a SaaS technology business, um, and it's just. Uh, um, now, now in a place to to sort of start to scale, it's you know, it's got some excellent excellent client references who show that that uh, you know the power of you know peers helping or peers peer marking peers is you know, far sort of better than you know sort of you know sort of external KPIs.
0: And uh, like like a few of us, um, you've been in this industry a long time. What would you say your your biggest achievements are? What are you most proud of throughout your career?
1: Um, I think I'm proud of what I've done um, in terms of um, judging, which is the how, how you and I first first met. Um, which it is much less about me, but it's much more about recognizing and uh, what what kind of good good looks like um and actually then therefore being able to, to recognize that um know, if, if we go back to the the early days um we used to kind of judge by you know going and visiting the the, the contact centers who were the finalists in you know in in, uh, in 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 pairs so you would you would buddy up with somebody and you would you would then go and uh, uh um uh, you'd go and visit the various centres, and then you'd all, we'd all get together in in in, in London, probably you know around right about this sort of time of year, and a big 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 round table that um, Claudia Hathaway used to, or, um, uh, Claudia Thorpe, as, as she is now, would would arrange. And what I found fascinating was the the kind of the the peer group and the the respects that we all had. I mean, you know, potentially, you know, you and I were 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 both consultants. We were never going to work together. We respected each other because we all knew what what sort of good sort of looked like um and that that then became um a network uh, that, that I've been able to, to sort of tap into. You know, it's how I met Richard Small, who's a partner at Deloitte, and then ended up doing a number of years of, of work with them. It's how I met Mike Havard. Um, Mike and I are both involved in my perform and, and, and sort of Limitless as, 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 as investors. So, so if I trace it back, it was much, you know, that, that decision to, to, to judge, you know, there was nothing overtly uh, you know in it at the time other than it was the right thing to do but you know the power of networking has just been absolutely you know amazing uh, sort of since then
0: and what's your perspective on the awards programs as they sit today because as you say they are quite different in how they run and how Mm. they operate than how they did in the days that you and I were, were involved and they do come in for some criticism from some quarters. Um, what's your perspective on the on judging programs today?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think they're much more transactional now. Um, so I'm still actively involved with uh, uh, the sort of C- CX Awards. Um, it's now a, a kind of a one-day experience. I mean, yes, you, you mark um, scripts before, um, uh, but then it's 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 kind of, you know, sort of presentations. Um, and you know it, it's grown significantly, um, and therefore you know there have been elements around, you know, how much is that about uh, the, the the awards for for the for the sort of sake of awards, but I do feel that you know the the kind of DNA of you know recognizing excellence and. Giving people the opportunity, and you know, some of the fellow judges, you know, this year are themselves as award winners. So, you know, I do think that that kind of cycle is uh, important. So, yeah, whilst you can take it too far, and there's certainly room for you know adaptation and improvement, um, I do think it's something that is you know a very a very worthwhile thing to you know be be being sort of involved in. Yeah,
0: and uh, you've always had a um uh, uh you've always had reputation as being an innovator amongst our, our industry what does it take to deliver effective innovation in this space but what what, uh, what what can people learn
1: yeah i mean i think if we take a um an example of a business that you know really does this well um so northumbria water group um which you know may not to the, you know, if people don't know that business may not sound like, uh, um, you know, a sort of regulated use of utilities, a a sort of place for sort of innovation, but they they actually have an annual uh, week, which they call their um, innovation festival. Um, and I got involved uh, last year. It was a, a digital event, so they, because of COVID, they you know, instead of meeting up at Newcastle Racecourse, you know, you it was all it was all online through Zoom and sort of Myro boards, etc. And I and I and I facilitated one of their one of their workstreams, um, and the technology that that landed on uh, was the idea of um, using video, so kind of customers we sort of called video. Um, and then you know the organisation can uh, can can use that. So in the context of uh, water industry, it's about you know reporting faults and the thing. If if you have a leak, then you know it's all about where does the leak happen as to who whose responsibility it is. So so during the uh, during the workstream, we actually recorded using uh, technology from a company called Vin uh, Vin, 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 Vin Intelligence, actually recorded a, uh, a, a you know a sort of potential leak. Um, and showed how you know the the kind of clever use of of AI and transcription, so the audio was sort of transcribed. So when that actually got to uh, to NwG, you know, it, it, it was already tags. There was there was there was metadata there. So really cool technology. Um, and what um, and what NwG do is it's not just the sort of week of um, having the innovation. Is that they they then go and sort of follow up. Um, and certainly this year I wasn't involved. Uh, facilitating but i know vin were you know back back uh, being able to show what was actually sort of going on
0: yeah and um what are the what are the biggest issues to overcome with innovation and why does innovation go wrong uh,
1: yeah so um the the challenge that A number of large corporates have is it's not necessarily finding new sort of technologies um you know the work i've done with sort of limitless are the early adopter the uh, the early adopter the, the first use cases but it's how you then take that and scale it um so i think this is particularly true for kind of international businesses um often the the country markets um Are operating autonomously, so they get to choose their own customer, customer experience solutions, and so suddenly, even though one market may have come across, you know, an absolutely genius idea, it almost has to go and be resold, you know, every by every single product team in every single market, and even though senior execs may say this 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 needs to be adopted. Actually, it just takes corporates far too long to be able to get from, you know, to, to sort of jump that chasm between early adoption and, you know, widespread deployment. And I think that's a, a kind of structural challenge.
0: Yes. And thinking about yourself and, and some of the early challenges that you had back in back in uh, the start of your career, what's the biggest issue you've ever had to overcome? What are some of the challenges that you had in your early days?
1: well i i i think i now understand why i'm comfortable doing what i'm doing and taking risks and investing um and that that kind of i trace that all the way back to the early 90s um in fact 1991 when there was a a, a recession in the uk um and actually lost, lost, lost my job. Um, so the kind of backstory there was I was um, working for a um, a big, you know, sort of telecoms business. Um, and a couple of months uh, before the recession, I moved, um, became self-employed, wanted to start to do my own thing. And I and I latched myself onto a much smaller uh, consultancy business. And. Um, then the recession hit, uh, and it was kind of last in, first out. So you know, because I was newly joined, that was it. You know, I, I had no, uh, no, uh, no, uh, no, 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 no role, and I didn't have a network at that stage. So, so I actually spent nine months um, without working, um, which was a bit of a, a bit of a blow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as as you can imagine. Um, yes. But it was it was how then that played out that was fascinating so my sort of wife and i we we basically we had a 18 month old daughter but um uh, anna was sort of you know that age at the time we kind of role swapped so i took on the principal carer role louise went back to work full time she was an occupational health nurse so that then you know kept food on the table and the sort of mortgage paid um and then you know that, that all played through and we ended up uh, um uh, with me getting a job for, uh, at sort of northern northern telecom uh sort of nine months later um and, and what I learned about that was then a conversation I had a couple of weeks after I joined where I asked my boss, my new boss, you know the innocent question of you know why did you pick me um you know what what was it that I had that that was different and it, and he said it was simple um, We had lots of candidates that had worked for um you know telecoms businesses for suppliers. But no one had actually gone out and done something different and had, had been prepared to take a risk and said, you, you did that by moving and wanting to you know, to move into a smaller sort of businesses. And that was fascinating. And I reflected on that. And, you know, I, I, my personality type is I, I learn by doing. I need to experience it myself. And what I realized was, you know, not only have my parenting skills improved, but, but, but actually and, you know, it, it wasn't taking the risk that that was the problem it was then when it doesn't work out is being adaptable and resilient and and then overcoming that and then realizing that you know, new opportunities because of that decision that you made earlier you know, will actually open up um and so you know that happened 30 years ago and, and 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 that that learning hasn't left me and it's why if i make an investment now i mean yes you know there is a financial risk um associated with it but actually you know the journey that you then go on and you know where that might lead to is, is actually far more important to me than than you know whether I <laughs> how much money or you know I, I sort of make or, or, or sort of lose through this and and it's really that 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 was you know that, that was very very formative for me. Yes I can completely relate to that from my own
0: experiences in the early 90s and these things shape us don't they and they stay with us just fascinating to hear and on that related note what or who uh, who would you say have been the biggest influences on your career and, and where does where where does this ambition come from
1: um, well, I, I think uh, I mentioned Don Hales, and you knows Don, you recent member fondly as as sort of I do. Um, so sadly passed away earlier this year. But yeah, you know, I, I met Don the first year I, that I was judging on the European Contact Centre Awards, and you know, as I mentioned, we, you got paired up, and and I was very lucky to be to be paired with, with Don, who was very experienced. Um, and he and I were quite different in in personality, but we you know we sort of got on like a house on fire. Um, and what I what I realized um, was Don's supreme skill was understanding how people work and how people tick and being then being able to kind of network and and um, to, to you know, be able to um, work with people and, you know, develop relationships that then are, you know, beneficial in, in in the sort of future so so there was tremendous skills that you know at the time i didn't have but <laughs> hopefully I've, I've 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 sort of learnt. super
0: so what's next what's the future what should we be looking out for
1: um well actually uh always keep an eye on what what the strategy consultants are doing just uh, just right. to you know just to, to see if 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 they're onto something there yeah, that I had not thought of, and I find it fascinating that McKinsey have just uh, published a recent poll, which is looking at you know ha- how can how can enterprises exploit you know gig-based workforces on demand, whether that's you know internal staff or external, which is something that I've been doing with sort of limitless for you know the last you know sort of couple of years, and you know it, it's it's fascinating that 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 is now becoming much more um, consciously aware of, you know, people that that operating model sort of exists. Um, so, yeah, so, so, I, so, I, so I do think that there, there are innovations, um, you know, not just the businesses that I'm involved in, but, you know, ex- exploiting AI and so forth that, you know, people haven't thought of you know, really how, how to do yet. That You know, I, I, I think will sort of definitely happen.
0: Super. That's fascinating. Thank you. So, as you know, uh, we always like to ask our guests to reflect and help those coming up through the industry today. So uh, you can go back to being twenty-five again. What advice would you give to you <laughs> yourself?
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure the millennials need, need need much holding back. You know, they they just you know <laughs> crack on and do it, and exactly. you know, and you know, all, all, all sort of power to them. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think if I think back to to my own background, you know, I, I was a uh, uh, an engineer, uh, or I come from a, fa- a, a sort of family of sort of engineers, so you know we were all into functional things and analysis, and you know it was kind of black and white. Um, and I now realise that actually it's just as important to understand about human behaviour and you know what what kind of drives kind of customers. You know, I think back to 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 people like Simon Sinek and start with why, and that's you know absolutely insightful around you know it isn't about what the business does it's about what the business believes in and whether your customers believe the same things that sort of you do so yeah so so really it's uh I'm a, my um perspective to my former self would be you know don't just rely on what you already know but but really you know become much more aware of you know human behavior and uh you know and and you know different personality types and how you how you need to sort of adapt uh, i think that would be that would be my uh you know my sort of guidance to to sort of me
0: right incredible and uh how do you unwind and escape from it all so uh, tell us a few things about you that we wouldn't know from looking at your linkedin profile
1: um, yeah, so I guess there are three axes in my life, Keith. I mean, the work stuff we've talked about here, um, uh, family, as you would expect, is the, is the second. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're very, uh, very, very fortunate. We have four living generations in our family at the moment. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so going going down the chain, you know, my, my kids are, uh, are now all, all grown up and married. Um, they've had their own families. So we've got five uh, sort of grandchildren. Um, you don't tell Yeah, I know. Thank you. Um, Yeah, uh, Louise's uh, parents, they'll be 90 next year. Um, They're still living independently, although they have a few health needs, so uh they moved uh a year ago to be a, a sort of mile from us so so all the family are, you know we're all in and around uh berkshire um and that's a little you know family sort of nucleus and then the sort of third axis is um i you know i'm I'm still very active um in 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 terms of sport um triathlon is my uh my, my sport so sort of swim bike run Fantastic. Uh, and over the years, I've I've done all sorts of things, you know, run 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 marathons, done done half Iron Man, cycled from Lands End to sort of John O'Groats in sort of nine days, you know, raising money for charity. So yeah, so it's wow. the sporting thing that uh, I, I enjoy. And in fact, um, I know we're recording this on a on a Friday, but just to give you some insight about what Saturday is going to be like, uh, I'll be uh, I'll be off uh, in leading a cycle group for our tri club. Um, on, a, on, a, on a training ride into the hills of uh, West Berkshire um, and my wife Louise is going to do park run um, and our eldest granddaughter Lara who's 11 is uh, she, she's also got some sporting jeans in her and she's just got interested in, uh, in that so uh, Louise and Lara will be, will, will be doing the, you know, the local park run which is just a you know, oh, you know a wonderful sort of community.
0: It is. I've done part run myself, but uh, I'm out of puff just listening to you, Paul. Uh, (laughs) Paul, it's been fascinating having you with us today. I hope our listeners have found this as insightful as I have. Uh, You can find out lots more about the Customer Experience Foundation at cxfo.org. We thank you for joining us at the Customer Experience Foundation today, and we hope you can join us next time on The Big Interview.